Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. First Shmuel, First Samuel chapter one, please. First Samuel chapter one. We're gonna. I told you we'd be talking about something that's not talked about very much in the believing community, and it should be. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it should be. This is the story here of Samuel's mom. Samuel's mom. I mean, it's an amazing story. Hannah, who is Samuel's mom. Hannah wanted a child so badly, y'all. Man, Hannah wanted a child so bad. She was just absolutely desperate for a child. She just wanted a baby. She wanted, and she was barren. She couldn't have. And so she wanted a child. She didn't have a child. She wanted a child so badly. And it was clearly affecting Hannah. And uh, listen to what happened when she was near the priest Eli or Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, Hannah, verse 13. Now Hannah was praying in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice could not be heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. (laughs) Must have been a little bit funny. (laughs) Then Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? (laughs) Get rid of your wine. But in response, Hannah said, no, my Lord. I am a woman with an oppressed spirit. I haven't been drinking wine or beer, and instead, I've been pouring out my soul before I deny. Don't consider your hand made a wicked woman, for out of my great anguish and grief, I've been praying until now. And of course, we know what happened. She was granted her request. She would eventually become pregnant with Samuel, and wow, uh, you know, the, the, the greatest judge of Israel and, and one of the greatest prophets of Israel for sure. Well, think about this for though, just for a minute. Think about Hannah. She was so anguished and she was oppressed that Eli thought that she was drunk. I mean, how messed up must she have looked aside from the fact that she was just talking but she couldn't hear anything because she was just silently mouthing the words to the Lord, but it, was, it had to be much more than that because, because she was probably just like, you know, just doing this kind of thing or who knows what her physical, but you could tell it, man, she was in distress. She was messed up. What kind of state was she in that her reaction manifested even physically? Eli thought, man, Eli thought, man, she must be wasted or something wrong with her. His scripture says grief. She was grievous. She was oppressed. She was in 
anguish, the scripture says. Wow. She was really, really, really going through it. You know, there's a universal knowledge at this point that people need to focus more on our physical health. We all know this. I think everybody knows. Uh, our guitar player is, is, teaches people to work out. That's great. He knows it, and he's making a few shekels off of it. That's good, right? Everybody, everybody knows that there are certain things that we need to focus on to improve our physical health. We all know, everybody here, everybody watching on the internet knows, we have to improve our physical health. We all know this. It's, it's, into, it's no secret. For example, if I, if I said a few things to you, what are some uh, examples to ways to improve our physical health? You all would know these things. Let's, let's just pick one. Diet. Okay, we all know that our diet is very important. We have to choose to eat our vegetables <laughs> and choose not to eat the garbage. That is, you know, I have two questions for God in heaven. Two questions for God when I get to heaven. I'm not talking about first questions. I'm talking about the stupid questions you ask two million years in, right? You know, once you've been there, once you're worshiping, two questions, are just gonna, I just got to get it out. I just got to ask them directly. Two questions. One, why couldn't vegetables taste like chocolate? I mean, come on, right? I mean, you want your people to thrive and to do well. It could have been so much easier. Just the vegetables tasted like chocolate. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And the second is mosquitoes, why? Yeah, those are my two questions. <laughs> Rabbis don't know everything, friends. I'm telling you, I'm being very transparent with you. In any case, okay, we all know that we're supposed to eat our vegetables and not eat the garbage, but doing it is another thing. We all know it, but doing it is another thing. But we do know it. You are what you eat, they say. Okay, all right. Another key to physical health is exercise, right? We, we all know that everybody here knows this. Everybody watching knows this. We all know this intuitively. It's been pounded into our heads. Anytime you go to the doctor, you know, you, you go to the doctor, you're getting a physical. What's the question they ask you? How much exercise are you getting? I mean, right, you get it every single time. It's like you go for the physical and you're just waiting. Tick, 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 tick. How long? Tick, tick, it's coming. Tick, 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 tick. How many days a week are you exercising? Oh, there it is. Um, does preaching a message count as exercising, doc? That's my question. <laughs> they said it does just for the record but in any case <laughs> you, you know we, physical exercise it's one of the key factors in physical health as I said uh, our, our guitar player Cameron he, he is a physical trainer and so he knows that exercise is very important in your physical health now Colin, am I correct Okay, but there are other factors too that affect your physical health that are maybe a little less obvious. Things that take a toll cumulatively in your physical health. Things like, are you getting enough sleep? Oh boy, that one hurts me, right? A lack of sleep deteriorates your physical health. And as a further nuance, right? It's not just purely quantity, but it's quality. 
That's why, okay, are you getting enough sleep? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of sleep, but, but you, they, they do a sleep test and you've got sleep apnea. Well, that's, then you're not really getting enough sleep, even though you're getting enough sleep. You know, that affects your physical health. Okay, then you got to do the Darth Vader mask, whatever it is. Okay, I mean, <laughs> okay, right? There are other intangible factors that, that can't be qualified, that can't, intangible factors that impact your physical health that can't be counted on a calorie counter. Things such as stress levels, that affects your, your physical health. Uh, there are other factors that affect your physical health, self-image, self-control, you know, how, the ability that you have to do. Okay, all these things affect your physical health fair enough. Now, we know most of these things, and sometimes we'll think about these things, but there are few, relatively few stigmas in society associated with these things. Everybody knows about these things. People talk about them freely, and we've been taught these things, and we know that even if we're not doing them, we know about them, and, and philosophically, we agree with them, right? Even, even the softer effects on physical health, but there's an area that you're hearing about more in the world at large, but really not so much in the faith community, but I believe it's as of huge importance and has a significant spiritual component. And I'm talking about mental health. Mental health. Just not talked about very much. I mean, if, you, if, 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 you, if you're looking for, you know, all the great series of messages about Mental health from a, a spiritual perspective. They're just not the, out there so much. Friends, did you read about Hannah? Uh, we recognize if you understand today and you look back and with, with the knowledge that we have today and you hear about Hannah as she was with Eli, she was clearly in pain. She was in some serious pain. What did the scriptures say? Anguish, oppression, grief. It's not that she had suffered a love when she was grieved. She, she was grieved by the situation that she was in. She was oppressed by it. She was in anguish from it. We can see it now clearly with the context of, of, of retrospection, right? Looking back. But even the priest that was there thought perhaps she was drunk and initially dismissed her. Isn't it interesting that, that even back then, somebody who was going through this agonizing mental health issue, right? She was stressed mentally, and boom, just dismissed. You drunk or something? It's interesting. There is an insensitivity to, to the, this mental health side of things from a believing perspective that has been pervasive literally since time started, Psalm 42, but it's clear in the scripture that many people were dealing with mental health issues. All you gotta do is just glance at the scripture to know that many people in scripture were dealing with mental health issues. And honestly, as I was contemplating it, it seems like few dealt with it more than David. Man, let me tell you something. King David, that dude had some mental health issues. There is just no doubt about it. All you got to do is read just a couple of the Psalms to know that this guy was, was dealing with stuff. He was fighting some stuff. 
Psalm 42, verse 4. What does King David say? He says, my tears, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day, where is your God? Man, I'm telling you what, there's a whole bunch laid up within that little tiny verse. Man, he was, you could tell he was taking some abuse. He was taking some grief. He was taking some major insensitivity from other people. He was taking, he was taking some attack, some, some verbal shots. So, hey, David, I, I thought you were anointed king. Where's your God? Look, look at what's happening to you. When maybe when he was battling with Saul and Saul was chasing him all over creation, maybe when he was king and, and he was in a tough situation, he was constantly in warfare, he never had peace. And they came to him, hey David, I thought you were like God's bud. <laughs> sure didn't look like it. Where's your God now? Maybe, maybe it was when he sinned and his child died. Hey, where's your God, Dave? Where's your God, Dave? People, he said, people saying this to me. And then he says, my tears have been my food day and night. And they're saying this to me all day. Where is your God? Where is your God? Think about that for just a second. This is a clear picture of somebody who's going through it. And this is the great King David. The great King David. Somebody who's after God's own heart we read about in scripture. The great and mighty King David, the guy who took a slingshot to fight Goliath. This, this was no weakling. This was no weakling. This was somebody with more courage than you and I together. Straight up. That's, that's who's saying this stuff. That's who's saying this stuff. And yet, here he is crying all day, all night, all day, all night. He's weeping. He's weeping. What is this? That doesn't sound like a courageous guy. That doesn't sound like a guy who's ready to fight Goliath. Bring him on. I'm a teenage boy. I'm half the size of that big dude. He's got a sword and armor. I've got a slingshot. Bring him on. Yeah, that's what he did. That's what David did. We all know it. You all know the story. And yet here he is now weeping all day, all night. What? What? What's going on with this? What's, what's, what's that? He's struggling. My friend, have you ever been there? But God was with him. So, but God was with him. So how could he not know that? I mean, God was so clearly with him in the Goliath and so many other times. How could, he not know, how could he not know that God was with him to be weeping all day, all night, weeping all day, all night, affected by what people are saying? How could he not know that God was with him? Friends, he did know that. He did know that, in fact, that was what helped pull him out of his place of struggle. And we'll talk about that. That's one of the things that helped pull him up out of the pit that he was in. But, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but the point here is that here was this great, great man of God who was struggling in the first place. This is the point I want to make 
to you to see, to open your eyes to this fact. Here's a very human being. We see him as the great David, right? This is a very human being, a very human human being, if I could put it that way, right? This wasn't some kind of, and God, God bless him. I mean, you, know, you pray for people, but this wasn't a crack addict who was struggling with his mental health or a schizophrenic who was struggling with his mental health. No, 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 my friends. Let me tell you who this was who was struggling with his mental health. This was you and me. That's who this was. This was you and me. In fact, this is much better than you and me. <laughs> this was David. This was King David. This was better than you and me, honestly, because David was clearly close to God in a way that we likely never will be until we're with him in heaven. So this guy was, was so close to God, more so than any of us, up until the time we get to heaven. A guy of great courage, just a truly a great man. And yet he was struggling with this, big time, big time, struggling with his mental health. Call it what you want. Psalm 42, a little later. Now you might say, wait, maybe that was just a moment. Maybe he was just having a bad day. Maybe it was just like for one second. Brothers and sisters, have you read the Psalms? <laughs> it wasn't a minute. It wasn't a bad day, George, right? <laughs> exactly. Let's read a little further in the same Psalm, verse 6. King David says, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you murmuring within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the salvation of his presence. My God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from the peaks of Hermon and from Mount Mitzar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls and your waves and breakers have swept over me. <laughs> David says, my God, my soul is downcast within me. Man. Perhaps you're one of those few people who's never been there. I have, I've been there. Get this, the first step in healing is to admit that you need healing. <laughs> David here was not saying Ah, just rub some dirt on it. <laughs> ah, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> no, he was not saying that. He wasn't being phony and just trying to push through. He said, my God, 
My soul is downcast within me. That's intense. And that's from a great man. A great man. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Those of you watching on the internet and those of you here. God is not ashamed of you when you are hurting. God does not look down upon you and is repulsed by you by how weak you are. He's not. God is not expecting you to never struggle with your mental health. On the contrary, my friends, who is it that made you? (laughs) And who is it that made you that way? And who is it that made you? Yes, knowing that you would even have some weaknesses. God knew well and good that we struggle sometimes with our mental health, just like he knew that we struggle sometimes with our physical health. But there is sometimes this this stigma amongst those in the believing community that, that, I'm going to go here, that there can be a morbidly obese pastor and no one judges him, but the moment someone weeps and doesn't want to get out of bed today, they're looked down upon because they are seen as spiritually weak. Understand me, friends, I'm not suggesting that you should stay in a state where you don't ever want to get out of bed. (laughs) On the contrary, that's a clear sign that you need to address your mental health. I'm just saying that even the great ones struggle sometimes. Even the great ones struggle sometimes. Don't think that you're a failure if you struggle sometimes with your mental health. You're not, unless you want to label David and 95% of the people in the Bible failures. It's okay to admit and to seek help, and to seek help. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. And recall, remember we talked earlier that there are a number of factors that can affect and address physical health, like diet, exercise, stress reduction, etc. We talked about all those. Similarly, there are a number of factors that can address mental health as well. What's one of them? The Bible gives us the answers, by the way, y'all. The Bible gives us, we're not even going to go through all of them, but the Bible gives us the answers. Here's one of them. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends, seek out a friend. If you're going through it mentally, seek out a friend. It's of great importance that you have godly friends. It is of critical importance that you have godly friends. Having friends who are not believers is one thing, okay, but your best friends in life should be believers. Why? 
because they can be there for you in times of adversity and guide you in spiritual principles that will help you. And they can pray for and with you. It's one of the reasons, as a side note, why I think that the monthly chavaraz, the monthly chavarot, are so important. It's a more intimate time to get to know other members of the mishpacha. All members of the congregation, when they join, they're assigned to a home fellowship, uh, a chavara. And I really, y'all, I think that the chavarots are very important. Some of you who are members have never once been to your home fellowship for whatever reason. But the point is, is that one of the reasons why I think they're good, it's only once a month, and it's not even every month. But one of the reasons it's important to connect and to get together, a number of them have been on Zoom, most of them are meeting in person now, but the, whether it's virtually or in person, to connect with, with another group of people, to get to know some others. You're not going to become best friends with everybody. You know what? You may be very different. There's some chavaraz where, where you have a 25-year-old and, and interacting with a 70-year-old. With a and, and, and learning and, and, and talk, learning from each other and, and establishing a relationship that you would never normally have, typically. You know, the, you don't even operate necessarily in the same circles, okay? <laughs> but yet, this is a circle that, where you do intersect and, and having that resource and maybe that 70-year-old shares something with you that you could actually use. Wow, what a novel thought. With age comes wisdom, <laughs> and you, you develop friends and other people that you know that maybe when you're going through it, you can call on them. Hey, listen, will you pray with me? Stephen, Stephen's and, and Margaret, one of our prayer, one of our chavralis, will you pray with me? Can you pray with me about this? I don't know who else to turn to, but you know what? I've been to their house for their chavara. Stephen, please pray for me in this situation. You know, Wow. You're going to be blessed. You need to develop, especially guys, you know, sometimes we're just like, eh, whatever, whatever, eh. friends, whatever, whatever. I'm just going to sit on my couch. <laughs> you need to get out of your shell a little bit. All right? Not just guys, it can be girls too. And honestly, Chavarim, honestly, Chavarim, sometimes we as guys are the worst offenders. Why? In part, I think it's because we're taught from the time we're little to be strong. And, and, and yes, friends, we should be strong. But in times when we're hurting, the strong thing to do is to be vulnerable enough to others that you can lean on them too. That's the strong thing to do, my brother. One of the worst things that you can do if you're struggling with mental health is to isolate. If you're struggling with your, in your mental health, fight the urge to isolate. Eh, I'm just going to stay in my room. You see this a lot with uh, young people uh, who are dealing with mental health challenges, and they'll isolate. Somebody says something to the mean at school, and they'll just, they'll just come home and they just won't ever want to get out of the room and they'll just do their thing and they come out maybe when, the, when they're hungry <laughs> and that's about it. No, no, friends, don't, don't do this. You have to have the courage within you to be proactive. 
it's really hard sometimes if you're going through it mentally and, and you just, you're kind of woe is me to a certain extent and you're, and you're very not outwardly focused and it's really hard to reach out. But you know what? That's the very time where you need to reach out if you can. I'm encouraging you. I'm giving you some tips. If not for now, for when you're going through it, call a friend and ask if they'll meet you for lunch. If you're going through it, call a friend. Phone a friend. Works for who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> Phone a friend. Ask if, you know, can I catch you at Starbucks? I'd love to catch you. Do you have any time this next few days or the next week or two? Go to Starbucks or I'd love to take you out to lunch somewhere. Can we go to lunch? Even Zaxby's or something. Call up your Chavarah leader. Ask them to pray with you. Yeah, you're going through it. Well, I don't want to bother him. Stephen, are you going to be bothered if somebody calls you and says, will you pray for me, Stephen? Absolutely. I mean, he'd be, he would welcome that. He would welcome that. Any of our Chavarah leaders would welcome if you contacted them and said, I'm going through it. Can you take five minutes and pray with me? They'd all pray for you. Trust me. We need that, my friends. We need to be able to reach out even when it's not easy for us. Romans 15, another way to address mental health concerns is to seek mental health professionals. Romans 15, verse 14 says this, now I myself am convinced about you, my brothers and sisters, that you are also full full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to counsel one another. You're able to counsel one another. I hear some people say that they never need any counsel. I rely only on God. I never need any counsel. Okay. Then why is it that the scriptures specifically say that we are able to counsel one another? I guess God must have missed it, huh? (laughs) Maybe he was mistaken when he wrote that. Or maybe you're mistaken. But <laughs> you wouldn't know. You never ask anybody. <laughs> you wouldn't fault a sick person going to a physical doctor, would you? I mean, if somebody's really, really sick, nobody's going to say, oh, they're going to a physical doctor. <laughs> oh, how quaint. <laughs> no one would. Similarly, if there is Systemic mental health concerns, sometimes it's entirely appropriate to seek mental health professionals. I'll tell you, with my schedule, I don't have time to do regular systemic counseling, but I refer people to professionals when needed. I've got a few professional counselors that I'll refer people to if they need some regular counseling. My strong preference, by the way, when you seek counselors, my strong preference, whether they're a psychologist or whether they're a count, is for them to be believers. They need to be believers in their counseling. In this way, whether they provide techniques or even medicines, they do so while not neglecting the spiritual element of the equation also. Proverbs 11 Verse 14 says, without guidance, people fall. 
with many counselors, there is deliverance. There can be deliverance if we seek out help. Help is available to you. Don't be shy about asking for help. If you're a teenager, talk to Dara. If you're a college student, talk to the Bartlett's. We just now put them in as our new college ministry leaders. If you're a member, go to your camarade leader. They, they are there for you, y'all. Your home fellowship, but they are there for you. They want to talk to you. If you need more significant, more systemic help, seek out a biblical counselor. Preferably trained. A trained biblical. I, I refer to... To one person outside the congregation, she's a real blessing. She has her master's of counseling, okay? And, but she's a strong believer. Okay? She knows what she's doing, but she loves the Lord. You know, whatever it is, there are lots of people like that out there and available. Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, please. You never hear a message. I've never heard a message like this before. It's important. This is an important word. This is real life stuff that we go through, that people go through. This is not some hokey, you know, hard liberal left-wing thing or anything like this. This is truth, the real world. We see it in the Bible, y'all, you know? Sometimes challenges in mental health come because we lose perspective. Perhaps we see ourselves in a way that's not true. Sometimes we're deceived. Perhaps we prioritize wrongly. Perhaps we're not balanced in our lives and are too busy. Any of these things can lead to, to mental stress and affect our, our mental health. If, if, if we're not seeing things clearly, if our perspective is skewed, if we're misunderstanding what's really important. That can lead to, to mental health issues because then you're, sometimes you're running like a chicken with your head cut off or what? And, and then you're frustrated. You're not getting it, right? You're, our view is clouded. It can lead to mental health challenges. Listen to the story of, of Mary and Martha in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, while they were traveling, Yeshua entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Miriam, who was seated at the master's feet, listening to his teaching. So there was Mary, Miriam. She was just sitting there listening to Yeshua, listening to Yeshua, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So she approached Yeshua and said, Master, doesn't it concern you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. <laughs> That's really great, right? I mean, I understand it on one level, but no. Verse 41, but answering her, the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and bothered about many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Miriam has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Woo, man, that is a... Ooh, that is, that is powerful. Ooh, that gives me chills. That is powerful, brothers and sisters. That is powerful. That is powerful. 
Sometimes you have to stop and remove some of the stress that's in your life, much of which oftentimes, wait for it, is (laughs) self-induced. Much of the, see, Yeshua was speaking into, into Martha more than just that moment. It was more than just her. Martha saw it distortedly. Her perspective on the whole situation was off. She thought she saw it clearly, but she did not. But if you really look at what Yeshua is saying here, it's reflective of more than just that particular instant. What does he say? He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and bothered about many things. It wasn't just that. He was reading her mail or her email. (laughs) He was reading her, her mail, right? He knew and he saw Martha, 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 Martha. No, you are anxious and bothered about many things. In other words, he could see within her the mental health crisis that she was really having. She was angst. She had angst about many things. And you gotta know that, I mean, how, how bad does it have to get for her to interrupt Yeshua's teaching? Hey, listen, I mean, there she is serving all the stuff. Hey, listen, Yeshua, can't you see that she's just sitting there listening to you and I'm doing all the work? No, 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 there's time for work. Listen, there's surely time for work. But when Yeshua is there teaching, that's not the time. You, you sit and you listen and you learn. And Miriam had it. She got it. But, but Martha was just so just, she was, no, 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 no. She missed it. She missed it. And this leads me to my final point. Because just like physical health, there are a number of ways to address mental health that God gives us. I've talked about a number of them. There are tools that we have available to us here on earth to address our mental health, and we can and should use the tools that we have, the practical tools, techniques, other things that we can use to address our mental health. At the same time, we can't dismiss the ultimate tool that we have, the ultimate tool that we have, And that tool is to turn to God. How simple. How true. If we don't see this, it's a little bit like we're Martha. We're distracted by many things. But we're missing that which is most important. We can't dismiss the ultimate tool that we have to turn to God, to rely on him. And he gives us the tool. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that there are spiritual strongholds and that it is a war and that our minds are battlegrounds and that we have to train, what? To take every thought captive unto the obedience of Messiah. The more we can take every thought captive, the stronger we become. 
do you realize that spiritual warfare whole discussion is a mental health discussion? It wasn't called mental, my mental health training for the day is this. You know, Paul didn't put it in those, those terms, but that's what it was. He's saying the battle going on really at the core is spiritual. There, there, there's, a, there's a whole spiritual warfare going on, right? And we need to take, why would even talk about this? Because it's, a, it's the mental challenge. Take every thought captive unto the obedience of Messiah Yeshua. Is that easy? I'm going to put it this way. No, it ain't. <laughs> it, it sure ain't easy. It's very hard, in fact. How long will it take you to, to, to get? A lifetime? And even then, you're not going to get it. Listen, at the end of the day, we get it once we arrive up in heaven, and then it's like all of our concerns, all of our anxieties, all of our questions are like, ah. And then we get the wings. No, I don't know. Whenever you don't get wings. <laughs> but the point is, is that that's what we should be striving to do. That's what will help us in part. Remember, I'm not discounting the earthly techniques and things that God gives us to address it here on this earth. We should utilize those as well, just like we do for physical healing. But they're also, you, you don't, you don't, if, if you have cancer, go to the doctor, go to the oncologist, take, take the medicines that you need. But my gosh, don't neglect getting prayed for for healing. Ask God to heal you. I mean, you got to do this. That's the number one thing. It's the first thing you should do. God, help me. If you have something like that physical, right? God, help me. That should be our first turn to. It's not saying you don't do the other things. God, God gives us the brains and the wisdom to, to develop some of these things to help us. Similarly, in the mental health world, he gives us these things to help us. But our number one should be to turn to him. God, help me. I need you, O Lord. And Lord, help me take every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. That means when I start to go over here and start thinking about this, this is not healthy, this is not healthy. Lord, remind me. I'm gonna take that thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. This is not healthy for me. I'm gonna think about something else. And then as soon as you think about something else, what happens? Boom. You start thinking about the first thing again. No, 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 no. Nope, I'm taking every thought. Every thought means that's a lot. You think a lot. Some more than others. <laughs> Joke. Uh, the point is, is that every thought is a lot. You gotta be focused, right? Every thought captive. That, that's an ongoing thing. You know what it reminds me of as I'm talking about? It reminds me of an alcoholic. Right? It's, it's like an alcoholic knows that you're never cured of being an alcoholic, but you should never drink again if you're an alcoholic. You see, you understand how that works, right? Is that you can't drink again. You have to take every thought captive. Into the, it's just like all of us are sinners, but we're saved by grace. See? We're saved by grace. And that which, wow, this is interesting, that which kind of uh, directs our sinful nature no longer has control of us. Just like that which makes some people an alcoholic doesn't have control over you either if you are taking every thought captive. When you're an alcoholic, 
you got to watch out. My, my mother-in-law uh, is an alcoholic. She has been sober, oh, I don't know, 35 years, I think is the number. A long, long time. Uh, she's counseled many people, but, but she would tell you is that, you know what? 30 years into it, you got to be on your guard that you don't take that drink, right? You got to have, it's taking every thought captive, you see? You see how that works? Every thought captive. First Peter chapter five says to cast our anxiety on Yeshua because he cares for us. Cast your anxiety on him. Let's close with, first, uh, with Psalm 42. Back in Psalm 42, this is where we started. Let's hear how David concludes. Here's how David concludes in Psalm 42. It's very interesting. David says, verse 12, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you murmuring within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, the salvation of my countenance and my God. Yes, friends, use these earthly tools that God gives us. It's healthy and good. At the same time, hope in God. Hope in God. Turn to God. Deep calls to deep. There is a profundity that only accompanies incredibly intense mental anguish. But God is there and available to you even in your most agonizing mental place. When no one else understands, God understands. People often care. But even when no one else cares, God cares, sincerely cares. He does not think less of you because you are struggling. At the same time, he wants for you to turn to him. At the end of the day, he is the only one who has all of the answers and even if he doesn't reveal them all to you, if you trust in the one that has all the answers, you can rest easier. So be encouraged, my brother and sister. You are not alone. He is with you. The title of my message is Mental Health. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you've never committed your life to God, but you'd like to, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If that's you and you've never said yes to Yeshua, you've never committed your life to God, but you want to, it's, we'll, take a, we'll take a minute and have simple prayers. Is there anybody? Just wave your hand. Maybe you're watching online and you've never committed your life to God. Repeat the simple prayer after me. Say, dear God, I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. God, I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, Lord. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're here today, see me after the service. If you're watching online, please send us an email. But I want to pray for everybody here today, and maybe you are watching online, that this, this message is really resonated with. I know, I know it's resonated with some of you. Maybe in ways that you don't even tell other people about. Or certainly it's resonated with a place that you were at or maybe will be. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Lord, in the name of Yeshua, I pray for each and every person here today and watching online. 
listening via the podcast, Lord. People who are going through it mentally. God, they feel oftentimes so alone. They're hurting. They're, they're in pain. They don't show it to other people. They're hiding it. They're burying it kind of deep inside, but they know it painfully. And it can be debilitating at times. Lord, I pray for a liberation. I pray for hope. I pray for you to intercede in their lives. I pray for them to turn to you, oh God, not to turn to themselves. Lord, I pray that we turn to you for our answers, God. I pray that that each and every person here and watching know that you love us. You love us with an eternal love. You're not ashamed of us, even if we're hurting or even if we're going through it or even if we're having challenges. No, we still are beloved by you, oh God. You'll never turn your back on us, Lord. Let that encourage us, Lord. Let us focus on what's important. Let us major on the majors. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch to heal us even when we're struggling and your presence with us, God, when we feel alone. Thank you, Lord. We bless you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, nine, nine.